Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Hello and welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast. We got Neil and Coach Ray with us today. I know we just want to shoot the shit about feats of strength. They're just really amazing shit that we see sometimes, just not social media, but even throughout history, right? Mm -hmm. I think some of the stuff that we like, we look at back at old time strongman shit that why did it disappear? Like it used to be really prevalent, right? It was, yeah. And it was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like when somebody, when you know, when so and so was going to do something, like it was like a big spectacle, right? Yeah. But now it's like, like I don't even know the world's strongest man contest. Like I grew up watching that all the time. Sports, yeah. man. Sports, oh, sports, but you don't even really, yeah. Is that what it is? I think so. I think so. Well, and then maybe you see this lift. You've seen it enough times, right? I mean, someone's lifting something up overhead. You see it enough times, you'll just take it for granted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, that's cool. You saw it once, and people are like, okay, I don't need to see it again. Yeah. They don't pay to see that. They'd rather pay to see something else. And then if these guys aren't getting paid now to to perform Mm -hmm. at what they used to be, maybe a long time ago, you know, when the circus was really popular, or maybe these guys were making a good amount of money, and I have no idea how much money they made Mm -hmm. back then relative to everyone else. Yeah, yeah. But you think about, you know, now it's like, what what kind of feats can a professional athlete do right. on the field against another opponent? And that's kind of taking it, taking the precedence over what someone can do in the gym or lifting a rock outside. Or But do you, do you think it's because people don't have an appreciation of how much strength it takes to do that stuff? Yeah, I think the only people who really understand that kind of stuff is the people who are in that kind of realm, right? Like, yeah. Right? Like we can see something and be like, oh damn, that yeah, that, that's a lot. We can Super impressive. Like, like yeah. what it mm-hmm. is. But with the average person, they'll be like, that's cool. And that's kind of it for them. Mm-hmm. Where we look at maybe some details or or certain aspects that even we can include in our own training. Right. We've done we've done that with Sunday shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah, right. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like either like bike training or stuff like that. We can see that in other aspects or other events or activities and go, ah, this seems like it could be cool to add in and just play around with it a little bit. Well, maybe because manual labor isn't a part of everyone's lifestyle anymore, that they don't truly appreciate like how hard it is to lift something up off the ground and then to put it up overhead. Mm-hmm. I mean, or just to lift thing. it up and walk with it, right? Move mm-hmm. it from point A to point B. Yeah. I mean, we've, just, we've become that sedentary of a society that we just forgot that what that stuff kind of takes. True. It's fascinating because even like somebody carrying a bag of groceries can be a feat of strength for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, which, yeah, it's which all is, relative, right? Yeah, it's, all it's, relative. it's all relative. It's all relative. So like if you take like the day-to-day stuff or some of the mundane things we do on a day-to-day, it, yeah, like it's, there are feats of strength, but those feats of strength don't mean as much as if like someone's doing a Steinberg squat, mm-hmm. right? To see somebody do that, it's like, whoa, that's a lot. Especially if it's like 400, 500 pounds, that's a lot of weight. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's just that we're desensitized as yeah. a whole yeah. to like a lot of that stuff. Well, when we see a Steinboard squat, we're like, damn, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. When the average person sees it, they're like, that dude's going to kill himself. Yes. Well, yeah. that's the other thing too, right? Is it, if we got so fragile as a society, or I, sh- I, I wouldn't even say all the world. I, I think it's just more Western hemisphere. Yeah. Because you see a lot of the Eastern European and Eastern culture still doing a lot of what some people would consider weird shit. Yes. Right. Yeah. But if we become just so soft that we just, I think so. Cause like everything now is like, you're going to break it back. 
Don't right? do it. You're hurt yourself. You're, you're going to hurt yourself. That's yeah. what everybody says, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of saying no, what's kind of funny is if you ask people, what happens when you don't work tissues, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't work tissues, you don't stimulate them, you don't give them load, you don't give them movement, what happens to them? Everybody says, well, they atrophy. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. So if you then get them to say, okay, is the body adaptable? Is it the great adapter? And a lot of people most likely say yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then you just gave the two exact reasons why when you do certain things, mm-hmm. you probably won't get injured. Yeah. Or you, because you'll be much, your your skill development will be there. Your capacity will increase, right? Yes. Well, the thing what people don't realize is that those skills that these guys are doing were developed over a long period of time, mm. you know, right. progressive overload, but they're doing it little by little by little. And then, but all you see is the end product of here's my 400 pound Steinberg squat. Mm-hmm. So you're like, that's, it's scary looking Yes. to some people, but that person probably started with, a barbell. A barbell. Mm-hmm. Just a straight barbell, yeah, right? That's it. And then just gradually work their way up. Maybe that's the missing element is that people don't see the the work. The, yeah. The like, majority, you know, yeah. When you post something or you see something like your own, it's like you said, you don't see an end product. But I think since we're not exposed to the background mm-hmm. and like the nitty gritty of the stuff, there's not as much appreciation for it either. Because if someone's like, okay, if I saw you, Steinberg, if I saw mm-hmm. you starting in a barbell and then progressively over the course of, let's say, three years, work up to, 300 pounds then it's just like oh okay that's that took time it took yeah. a lot of time because there's a lot of adaptations and things that need to happen but it's not just somebody simply walking in and going ah, i'm gonna try this today Ooh. it doesn't it doesn't happen yeah not not often yeah see i think it's easier to relate to athletic feats right because <clears throat> yeah everyone has tried to sprint at some point in their life yeah. everyone yeah. has tried to jump everyone's tried to throw mm-hmm. but not everyone has tried to lift something really really heavy true or do a you know, something crazy rock climbing with their fingers or something acrobatic like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you see a sprinter on TV, you're like, hey, PE, I used to, man, I used to run this. And this guy's beating me by like 20 seconds or something like that. So you can, you can appreciate, you see that, that gap in strength and speed, Mm -hmm. whereas you may not correlate that with lifting, Mm -hmm. even though there's that same huge gap between the elite and the average. Yeah. Well, I like what you said earlier about the financial impact. We're to the point where kids growing up, there's no money in in being a strong man. Mm-hmm. I mean, the top guys are making some bucks, don't get me wrong, but that's a very exclusive group, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Marius Pujanowski did pretty damn well getting set up financially, you know, being world's strongest man for X amount of years, mm-hmm. right? And winning that that amount of times. But the popularity, but think about it, since he stopped doing that, how many people would even know who he is? Yeah. True. Right? True. So, I mean, other than the sponsorships from metrics and the appearances and all that other stuff financially, yeah, hopefully he saved up. Because even then, I, I mean, how much did he really make compared to other athletes? Mm. Right? I mean, you're talking yeah, yeah. millions and millions of dollars, right? I mean, it's it strength, tra- strength, feats of strength probably don't financially have that same reward perhaps like they did 
back in the day because yeah. back in the day people paid to come see you do that stuff right and they there was a spectacle so i think you you had probably a lot more income back then that'd be interesting to check into well, and then there are stories told right around the world about yeah Arthur saxon that just lifted 400 pounds overhead with one right. arm mm -hmm. so now you have all these groves of people coming in to, to go watch this yeah Whereas now, like Ray was saying, you're desensitized. Everything's on social media, so it's just watered down. Mm -hmm. That might be another big aspect, too. Social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Now people aren't traveling to go see stuff or whatever. Now I can see something pop up at any average spot or from any average person. These feats of strength that people would, maybe back in the 60s and 70s, would have to travel to go see. Mm -hmm. So now everything is so convenient. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we just take it for granted now. We see it, we just go, ah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, we we appreciate it. Mm -hmm. We do, because we're in this profession. But a lot of people that aren't, you know, look at it and they're like, oh, that's cool. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try that. Yeah. And then, you know, scroll up, scroll down. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I think, for me, personally, I think when I, especially on social media, when you see videos posted, it, to me, it's I think it's more disheartening to see the comments tend to be a lot of them are yeah that's awesome blah 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 but then you get just as many that like i said well why that's just stupid why are they doing it right yeah because they can mm -hmm. hello and then secondly it's the oh they're gonna that person's gonna be crippled in no time and you're like oh maybe maybe not mm -hmm. you know but to sit there and say that that person's gonna be like that right away is kind of like yeah they're going to have a price to pay. The physical toll is going to take place sooner or later, but yeah. we don't we don't know to what extent. Yeah. Right? And how long are they going to be doing this feats of strength? Is it like a professional athlete's career where they do it for this little block of time? Short duration, right? right? And then they go on and they move on. They just they don't do that anymore. And their body heals and they can go live their lives. Mm -hmm. Well, the guy from <laughs> Russia, he was still lifting what four or five hundred pounds at the age of seventy. Oh. Um, What's his name? Valentine. Valentine, yeah. Because yeah. you got the video of him, what, that 400-pound Atlas stone? Yeah. And he's 70 at the time, I believe, 70-plus. Granted, not moving athletically at all, right? <laughs> I mean, labored breathing. But the fact that this guy could do that at that age still is just amazingly impressive. Yeah. But, I mean, how many times... A, I mean, how often is he doing that? That's why when I watched that video uh, and looking at his age, I was like, is he practicing submaximal like he's lifting 200 pound Atlas stones on a regular basis and then just peaking up to do some, you know, high end maximal shit? I'd imagine it's probably so. To put it simply, like if even if you look at powerlifting, like they're not always going for that one rep. Mm -hmm. That's not a constant thing. Instead of working with very submaximal loads to get up to that point, so they kind of peak. I'd imagine that. Training for strength feats is effectively the same thing. It's not mm -hmm. any different. It's just doing what your body can handle. And then when that time comes with your training block, you can go, okay, I'm going to go for a max here and see what happens. But they have that internal ability to access more strength than a lot of regular people. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, their output's way higher. Their output's higher because mentally they know how to tap into that. <laughs> right? And that's what somebody off the street just doesn't have that understanding or that ability. Hopefully they, they can develop it. Yeah. But it's going to take years of practice to really be able to tap into that reserve mm -hmm. when you need it. Right? Yeah. I know with strength, with feats of strength, you brought up just a little while ago about rock climbers, right? Mm -hmm. 
So strength is is pretty feats of strength. They're all different, right? When we watch somebody doing a, a pinky pull up, yeah, you're like, what the hell? That's that's amazing yeah. strength, right? But vastly different than someone pulling an airplane. Yeah, both super impressive. Yeah, but I gotta be honest with you, the single pinky pull up <laughs> to me is gonna be. I, I I appreciate that more. Yeah. This is because of skill that goes into that, right? Like it takes, so strength is a skill. At the end of the day, strength is absolutely a skill. And it's because it's only applicable to what you make it apply to. So for someone doing a, like a pinky pull up, that's impressive as shit. But that's because it takes so much time and certain skills in order to get there versus someone who's pulling a plane. That's just straight up how strong you are. Right. Like, like, are you that? Are you strong enough from a straight up physical strength standpoint to pull something that weighs tons and tons of pounds mm-hmm. versus even hanging on your pinky? Like, just even even if someone weighs one hundred and fifty pounds, hanging in your pinky and that tendon, it's ridiculous. Yeah, Jesus it's ridiculous. Christ, yeah, that's, right? that's ridiculous. <laughs> such an insane amount of tendon strength. So that the minute details and the aspects that we can pick out will allow us to go like, damn, that's actually really really impressive. Yeah, like the gradual buildup to to not injure yourself mm-hmm. and to get that one piece of your body so strong and have it connected to the rest is, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. It's a skill. Strength is a mm-hmm. skill. And that's a big part of what people don't get about strength. Mm-hmm. They think it's a brute thing. And there is brute mm-hmm. behind it. But you have to have skill. Yeah. Right? It's just it's the same as what people say, oh, I can't deadlift because every time I deadlift, I get hurt. It's because you don't have the skill. You haven't learned the subtle. So no one's coached you or taught you the subtleties, Mm -hmm. the things that you physically don't see unless you're really into what you do. Yeah. Right. Like we can watch somebody without, without saying a word, we can watch somebody, how they deadlift Mm -hmm. and we can visually see if they've got the cues or if they got access to the little subtleties. Yeah. But that's because we've been we've been watching this shit for so long, mm-hmm. right? That we can just the eyes can pick it up, right? Yeah. But that's skill. Yeah. Yeah. And then once someone develops the skill technique, then it's about, okay, do you know how to program in a way that is going to get you stronger but not get hurt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, cuz that that skill is that that part of it and then the programming is the other part of it. Mm-hmm. Which huge part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Injuries, actually, which is another big part, injuries will absolutely take away your ability to practice. Mm-hmm. So like if, like for climbing, for example, like when, when we talked about climbing, it's like, you know, strengthen your tendons, get your grip strength a little stronger. So I started incorporating like, you know, different things for that. But the biggest piece of advice you gave, Neil, was don't do it too much. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm, like, I'm just, I'm just not, not conditioned for it. And that's fine, but it takes time for that conditioning to kind of come in. So it's a matter of, how can you do things and not get hurt? Can you program intelligently enough to do so? Yeah, it's finding the right dosage. It's the proper volume. So you can get 100 people together and give them the same exact goal to achieve, right, from a strength, fa- from a strength standpoint. But you're going to have 100 different outcomes based off of the individual itself, themselves, right? So genetic structure, body structure, all these things, right? Skill, dispositions, naturals, abilities that some people have that others just can't tap into. They have to be coached into it, right? So you got all these different things, but how can one person handle more volume than somebody else that can't, right? Mm -hmm. We can take 
two people that have the same body structure, the same height, the same weight, right? And all of a sudden, one of those people can handle more volume than the other. And those are things that I don't think we can really, unless you get a shitload of testing done, right? Yeah. But to the, I mean, how many facilities have access to that shit, right? So 95% of us, 96% of most trainers don't have access to that stuff. Yeah. Right? So then we have to figure out in the meantime, you know, is a and not only as a trainer, but a trainee, what is, I've got to listen to my body mm-hmm. and figure out self-regulation, mm. right? And figure out, okay, is this going to be a little too much? Is this not enough? I can, you know, to your point there, I read this book um, from Arthur Saxon a long time ago, mm-hmm. and he was talking about, like, I don't want to only be able to lift this thing once during the day. I should be able to lift this weight. multiple times throughout the day Mm -hmm. because strength endurance is far more valuable than max strength. Mm -hmm. Even though what he was doing was a max strength lift to everyone, he could do this five, six times throughout the day. Not necessarily in a row like Mm -hmm. we think about. But he could do it in the morning. But endurance to him was throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah. Like he could just, you could say, hey, Arthur, there's a stone. He'd be like, all right, you can go pick it up and walk around with it. Where the rest of us, we'd be like, okay, I'm done. Like, I'm good. Like, I, I'm going to go sit down. I'm going to take a nap. Yep. <laughs> come, come, come back, give me in an take hour. Two or two, weeks, right? my right? Yeah. Heal. Right. <laughs> and so that, and so that's a great point. Yeah. It's really figure having that strength access and increasing your capacity and your stamina, right? Your ability to access that whenever and not just at a specific time and with a specific setting. Yeah. So that's like, that's more along the lines of, well, at least what I call baseline strength, right? Yeah. What's something that you can do on any given day, regardless of what it is? Mm. So someone were to like, okay, I can, like my best squat was 300 pounds. So like, okay, cool. But what can you do on an average day? If you came in and let's say you were even slightly tired, what's a weight that you can do for a single rep? When your baseline strength goes up, your absolute strength goes up too. It just follows suit. Mm-hmm. So the higher you, you work from a baseline, the better off you'll be long-term. And so that aspect of like, you know, doing the same thing multiple times a day, if your baseline strength and endurance is up that high, well, now when you can, when it comes to that application of a singular lift or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, it's easy to handle relatively. And I think that's a good point for, for someone that likes to max out all the time mm-hmm. and understanding, look, here's, here's a way, a better way to gauge it without blowing out your nervous system and your joints. Yeah. What is probably like for me, acrobatics, acrobats to me, I th- for me personally, are probably my most impressive strength artists more than a, you know, more than a power lifter, right? Yeah. That's just me personally. What would you guys like consider your favorite or your most impressive? I'd go with acrobatics or gymnastics. They're the same thing, but those two, that would be by far, because that's not just like absolute strength to a degree. That's a lot of skill. That's mm-hmm. so much skill. And being like, and having very acute awareness of what you're doing, how you're doing things too. I'd have to go with um, like high level parkour athletes. Mm-hmm. Just because that stuff to me is so applicable to everything. Yeah. You know, the rhyme, I mean, you see them jumping off buildings, yeah. Yeah. these gaps, and then that level of mental commitment. To be able to make that. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you can't doubt yourself. Like, there's no, no. I mean, yeah, you can't. Yeah, you're, you're in. You can't doubt yourself. Tommaso, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. Tommy, yeah. Yeah. Like the shit he does, you're like, that's otherworldly. And I mean, really, when, mm-hmm. when the first time I saw him, I'm like, shut the front door. I'm like, there's no way, right? Yeah. I mean, because uh, the consequences are so high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think the fact that he can produce that much explosiveness to mm-hmm. cover those distances is insane. Mm-hmm. But his, his tuck technique, the fact that he can time that mm-hmm. is really. It's amazing. It mm-hmm. really is to be able to time precisely when he's making impact. I mean, and like anybody, he makes mistakes, right? I yeah. mean, there is that. I mean, you'll see his blooper reels. Uh, there's some impressive bloopers, mm-hmm. but he doesn't shy away from it. You know, he's got the confidence and he has the confidence in his abilities to, even if he does screw up, okay, I'm, I'm going to get that. Like, yeah. I have it, right? And to me, like the skills that those guys have, you know, if they had the size or the the, the uh, hand-eye coordination, they could take that to any sport. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. See, for me, because like acrobats, like the Masuti brothers, it's just amazing strength, but with control. The fact for me is, I mean, outside of gymnastics, gymnastics is usually done at a faster pace. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Where acrobats are much slower, typically speaking. Mm-hmm. Is through some of their movements, but the fact that you can see a base, like in a three or four person group, you know, the, the base person can, can hold and support three or four people moving on top of him or her, mm-hmm. right? I mean, females do the same thing. Yeah. That's impressive, utterly impressive shit, because the fact that you can support the movement of two or three other people on top of you is just mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah, because the level of, you know, fine adjustments you have to make. Because it might look like they're staying completely still. They're not, though. But they're not. There's these little micro adjustments that right? they have to have, you know, putting tension in different areas of the body, mm. you know, maybe manipulating their fingers. Just a little. It's almost like when you're, if you're in a handstand, right, There's your hands are active. You're not just balancing. Yeah, great point, right? <laughs> when people go to do handstands, I think they just think their hands are on the ground. But you got to you got yeah, grip like, like your falling, fingers are working you fall in a certain direction it's like you push you push that direction with your hands yeah and you push the other way and it's just constant fight between falling forward or falling backwards or maybe falling from side to side yeah and that's a huge that's a that's a huge aspect of doing a handstand but i think if you ask most people they wouldn't have any idea that mm-hmm. that's your hand your hands are your, they're your feet now yeah right so the same thing we do with our feet, which we probably take for granted. We don't really, some people don't do it well at all, yeah. right? I mean, but now your hands are doing the same thing. So you have to be able to shift weight. You got to know how to use your thumbs, your, all your fingers to apply force and really create more stability, less stability. And you've got to now get used to being upside down, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird when you think about it. now your legs are up top. You got those things moving around. So yeah, it's a, it's a completely different orientation, different vectors. But that's a very subtle thing as far as how do you use your hands when you're in a handstand position. But a lot of people don't really talk about that, even when they're trying to coach it. Yeah, I feel like maybe that's where that the subtlety, the subtleties, right? So people who pay attention to the really, really minor things can pick up mm-hmm. really minute adjustments and movements that need to happen. So like for some, if somebody's being taught that, like if someone were to teach me how to do a handstand, because by the way, I can't, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like if someone were to coach me through it, I'm aware of my body enough, which is another aspect too, is the person that's doing it, having enough self, uh, enough self-awareness, you know, I need to make these adjustments because these don't work for me. 
taking that and then going, okay, well, based off the cues that I'm getting and the cues that I know I can manage, how, where can I meet in the middle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, I think especially with acrobats, it's because you're going so slow through the movements, you really have to understand levers and, and the physics behind these positions. And I think that's what's the most impressive for me personally about acrobats. You know, but I love looking back at the old strongman stuff and, you know, like you had just, you had referred earlier about masseter training, right? Mm-hmm. Bite strength and, and seeing how that used to be a lot more prevalent. It's not, you don't really see a lot of people doing it today. Mm-hmm. And when we do do, when we do do Sunday shenanigans, we see the comments of people making comments about it. Yeah. But the jaw is a very strong structure. Mm-hmm. Pound for pound, it's one of the strongest structures in the human body. The masseter tissue is pound for pound, one of the strongest tissues in the body. What I think is interesting with the teeth, because I, that's most people's concerns, right? Yeah. But I think you have to dig deeper into the teeth structure to think about what have we learned from anthropology standpoint of what's happened with the teeth, with the jaw and teeth structure of humans over the over the centuries. Mm-hmm. It's decreased. Yeah. Right. So the jaw, we've seen the jaw structure get smaller, mm-hmm. right? If we choose softer foods, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see the root depths of the teeth in a human skull, you know, four, five hundred, seven hundred years ago compared to today, right? Mm-hmm. Because think about it, if a tree's growing and it's growing, it, it digs its roots in uh, appropriate to its environment. Yeah. Right? So if it has to go for water down deeper, it puts those roots down deeper to get water, right? Mm. But if it grows up in a very windy area, then it spreads the roots out farther to get and deeper to make sure it's more structured. Yeah. So I'd be curious, I mean, if the you know the body is the great adapter, if you're putting those demands on your teeth, then in 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 retrospect, your teeth should the roots should be just much more uh, solid than the average person's. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense because a long time ago, people were gnawing on roots. Yes. Right? right? To get nutrients. Yeah. And then also, there was a lot more raw meat, right? They get a kill. They're eating raw meat, and they're trying to basically rip this thing off the bone. Yeah, so which isn't easy, you know, right? You're biting and you're pulling, so yeah. there's a lot more force. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Because I think what's interesting talk to, talk to you well, about this. What's interesting <laughs> is because you can take, you know, you, you play tug of war with a dog. Yeah, I mean, you yank the shit out of that rope, mm-hmm. and they don't give a. F- they're like, they're right back at it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they hang on for dear life, right? I mean, they can lock it in. So it'd be interesting, you know, with the appropriate workload and, and progression, mm-hmm. you know, how does how do your teeth adapt to that? Because once the body senses pressure, then it's got to figure, okay, well. If this is going to be a normal thing, then I have to fortify that area. I have to make sure that that area can withstand the pressure and the stresses that are going to be put on it. Yeah. That's like you just actually hit on the nail on the head is what's the proper amount of stimulus, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So like if if you're new to something, obviously you're not going to give it a shit ton of stimulus. It's not smart. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to give it a little (laughs) bit at a time over time, and then you can increase how either what frequency or the the load variability or even time under tension you can mm-hmm. you can you can there's a lot of moving parts it's not as simple as going out and doing it but 
if someone's training something that's new to them and they're going about it correctly, oftentimes the results will be extremely positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, when we're doing master training, it's not like we just pick up a 30 pound, 30 kilo kettlebell and put it in our teeth. I mean, you, you work up to that, right? Yeah. You say you get used to the feel of what's what's a four pound kettlebell hanging from my teeth. What does that feel like, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and when I bite on the towel, does that weight as I'm moving, you know, that's where that adaptation and all that tissue, especially uh, it, especially down into the neck, mm -hmm. where you get that nice and strong, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, for me, I've been using that a lot more just to help reduce impacts on the ice when i'm playing hockey because i want to make sure that my jaw my neck are nice and strong so i've been using master training a lot for the last year and a half you know just to help and it's really out on the ice now that you know when i do take hits yeah i don't feel that same yeah. up through the neck mm -hmm. you know, it feels pretty solid yeah you wearing a mouthpiece out there too no 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 mm -hmm. i don't know Full cage. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So with the full cage, I don't wear a mouthpiece. So. I would imagine like having being able to bite on that mouthpiece might help you stabilize that too, right? Well, it's crazy. You know, what's funny is is you see the mouthpiece in there. Yeah. I don't even know if when I do wear one, I don't even know if I couldn't even tell you if I do bite down on it or not because I'm just so intent on the game. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I'm doing it. Yeah. I got to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys, you'll see at the NHL level, a lot of guys – their mouthpiece isn't even in their teeth. Hmm. Like Patrick Kane is known for what? Is half the mouthpiece is sticking out like he chews on it. And then, you know, you'll see it. football players, NBA players, they do the same thing. Yeah. You know, if they're wearing a mouthpiece, they'll, half of it will be hanging out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny because you're like, why do you even have that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, <laughs> it's supposed to be around the teeth. It's supposed to be in your mouth. Mm -hmm. But they're playing and it's half sticking out. Yeah. Right? That's true. Because the jaw alignment thing was a big thing, is a big thing for concussion protocols, but also, you know, making sure that the jaw is aligned and the neck is aligned. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that's a big aspect of concussion protocols and recovery. So I think instead of being reactive, let's be proactive. Work those tissues, right? And, and, and go with that old man, old strong man stuff. Because that's what we, we used to see those, you know, a lot more masseter, and, and jaw lifts back in the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, that went the way of the dodo bird for whatever reason. I don't know. The kind of you know what that kind of reminds me of is looking at old Tyson training videos, mm. or if you look at if you look at wrestlers too, they do like a lot of neck rolling, right? Mm -hmm. Right, a lot of neck rolling. It's the average person would see that and be like, "Dude, you're gonna you're gonna hurt yourself." Come on, man. Like, what the hell? But but these these athletes are so they, their neck is so strong. If you look mm -hmm. at like even Tyson's neck back when he was in his prime, his neck was super thick. But they were strong enough to manage adding that into their training in order to make them more efficient at whatever sport they're doing. So it was there was specificity behind it, yeah. but it helped. It helped a lot. So like you're doing master training for, for hockey, that would make sense for hockey or if somebody's doing some kind of an impact sport, mm -hmm. like yeah. football or boxing or whatever the case is. But that's where the value comes in is, if, is, is your training helping you do the activities that you like. That's true. So for the average person, is it worth their time? To them. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. We think it's, it's valuable. We think it's valuable. There's, there's value to everyone. Yeah. It's just then a question of do, do the person has to step back and ask themselves, do I need this? Mm -hmm. 
I think it's not even, do I want this? Do I need this? I think you have to ask yourself that first. Do I need this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then if I do, okay, how badly do I want it? Right. Because that's always the other thing, too. Mm -hmm. We always hear that. Mm -hmm. We always get, you know, that's what clients do. They're like, oh, I want this, this, and this. Oh, you do, do you? Okay, let's see how badly you want it, right? Yeah. And so what they do outside the gym often, a lot of times, will say they don't want it that badly, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you've got to see value in it. So when you see old man, you know, when you're we're looking at old man, you know, or feats of strength or whatever, we look at stuff and we pick and we see value in what they're doing. And we go, oh, man, that would, that's got, that helps develop that. Or you have to have that to be able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And then you sit there and go, well, I don't need the whole thing, mm -hmm. but I do like this little aspect of what that person just did. Yes. So it's being able, you don't need the whole recipe, mm -hmm. but you just like certain things that people did. It's like, yeah. it's like making uh, cheesecake, right? Yeah. Everybody makes cheesecake, mm -hmm. but people make it differently. Yeah. Right? So some people may be like, oh, I've never seen cheesecake done that way. I like that. Mm -hmm. Right? And so they'll take just that little aspect of just that. Because yeah. it brings a ton of value to their next cheesecake, right? Yeah. So for us, when we look at skills and, and impressive stuff like that, it's some of it may be silly, but the fact that these people can do this is good for them. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. People are always like, why? Why not? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if we just sat on our asses and didn't do any of this, we wouldn't be anywhere near what we're at, where we're at today. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have the advancements in technology. We wouldn't have advancements in society because we would have just been lazy ass and just did nothing because we would have said well what's the point why do we need that yeah so in everything if 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 you see something you say why and somebody says why you do that why not mm -hmm. i mean because i love i think we all love to see what humans are capable of yeah mm -hmm. for sure and if we see some new shit, that just takes our thought process to a different level, yeah, right? Absolutely. Well, it's like we said with Sunday shenanigans, like a lot of it, like I, I look at other shit and I go, oh, mm -hmm. I'd like to try that out. Yeah. I'd like to see what that feels like, yeah. right? So and you got to do it, right? Yeah. You should try. If that's the thing, you should try stuff. Just to try sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like it's not obviously safely yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, some maximal right yeah, yeah some maximal yeah right? you know but like if you see something cool but like huh that's that's awesome let me well, let me try this out just to see what happens and it's cool to incorporate change up your training right incorporate different things and be like oh, i'm gonna train this for a little while although there might not even be a reason it might just be for fun and yeah you like doing it and then you can lay off of it and continue back on to whatever else you're doing but adding different modalities into your training has it can have a lot of benefit overall. There's nothing wrong with being skilled, even if it's minimally skilled at a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Actually, I would argue that having minimal skill at a lot of different things often makes you better as an individual. I don't want to say athlete, but as an individual. Yeah, a little more well-rounded. Mm -hmm. You're probably less likely to, to hurt yourself too. If you're training in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you have more skill sets, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we didn't all just grow up playing the same game. We played a variety of games, right? Mm -hmm. And we're not talking organized sports. We're just talking games, yeah. right? I mean, we went outside. We played with our friends, and you just created games. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, Atari was like a new thing for me, but I was still outside playing with friends. So, like, you created shit. You figured, okay, what are we going to do? And you created games. So, like, you used your imagination. Mm -hmm. And then you tried it out. You said, well, let's see if this works. And then if you needed to make new rules on the fly, you just did it. Yeah. 
Right, to your advantage, huh? Well, of course, <laughs> of course, bro. That's what you, if you ain't cheating, you're not trying, right? That's what you gotta do, bro. We're gonna play tag, but you can't tag me. <laughs> you can't tag anyone under five foot four. Yeah. That's me. I am good, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing. I think is uh, what I love. What I personally love seeing about humans doing just amazing shit, right? I think that's what's amazing. Like, I just watched a video of a guy. I had no idea that this was going to happen, but he was in a hot air balloon, and he ties himself in. And he starts laying himself down. No so he's hanging from yeah. – and so when I saw the video, it starts – you see him. You can see the, the clip. And so I'm like – and I thought he was just elevated up somewhere. And then he – so I start watching the video, and then all of a sudden he looks up, and there's the basket in the hot air balloon. I go, oh, this – hanging from a hot air balloon but then he like releases it and he starts falling yeah so he just he he just for whatever reason he was all like you know what i'm gonna see if i just belay myself down of down whatever i mean he was a good distance down beneath the hot air balloon and then just had his parachute on and he just went and just like go well that's crazy shit that's terrifying <laughs> <laughs> but is it no because the parachutes are pretty reliable yeah. right yeah it's like the dude that went to the the red bull guy that jumped from set the world record for a height for diving right oh that was yeah uh, wasn't it from space yeah from space oh, yeah. that's amazing right yeah but once again people would say why well, a lot of people are like what's the point well, why not yeah. that's all what humans want to do like mm -hmm. let's see what we're capable of doing it's like trying yeah. to get to the moon yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Is there anything out there for us? No. I mean, right. Massive risk trying to make it up there. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Massive risk. What was the reward? Well, we don't know until we get there, right? Yeah. Uh, but it was the fact that humans were able to do that. Mm -hmm. We were able to send a projectile, mm -hmm. a satellite, to the moon yeah. with humans, not even just on man, with humans, and then we brought them back. Yeah. That's impressive shit. That is. I mean, that's not a strength shit. That's just an impressive human feat. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had that at the heart of it for me. That's what I'm all about. Seeing people continually try to push the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And are some eggs going to get broken? Yeah. yeah. Don't think that, you know, it's like when people are like, well, well people die as a result. Well, pe people die crossing the road. Yeah. So what's the, <laughs> what's the matter? Like, what's the difference? That always makes me laugh when people say that. Well, you could die doing that. You know how many people just died in the last 10 seconds sitting down their asses at home having a heart attack? Mm -hmm. So what's the difference? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You might as well live, get your ass out there, do some fun shit. Yeah. Right? I mean, even when, you know, climbers, mm -hmm. people, that, I'm pretty sure when, you know, if soloists and <clears throat> things like that, if when they die, if you could talk to them afterwards, they, they I would be very surprised if they regret what they did. Mm -hmm. They're like, you know, I lived my life. Yeah. I, I did what I was loving. I, it's, I knew it was a possibility, but yet they still did it, and they and I don't think they would take it back. No. Yeah. What was that? What was that movie on Netflix with that kid that was? Yeah. The, the, the like, yeah the, 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 the alpinist yeah, yeah the alpinist. right. Yeah. And so watching that, I didn't think he was gonna die. Like when that part of the movie came, and I was like, oh shit! Yeah, me too. Like oh, I, I, damn. I Oh yeah, I haven't watched it. Yet. Oh yeah, incredible. Sorry, man. Sorry, bro. We just nah. But if but like if you watched him, I mean, he was he was happy, he's joyful. Yeah, if you took that away from him, he'd be miserable. Mm -hmm. He would 
probably be going to a deep dark hole yeah so and so we talk like, yeah so if we're talking mental health mm-hmm. well for some of these people i mean that's part of keeping them going yeah right it, what what drives you what motivates you and for people that want to do feats of strength and, and just crazy shit that's what motivates them that's what drives them mm-hmm. it's not for everybody you know uh, i mean it's all it's all relative you know get out there and do something yeah. you know go out hit the dance floor that may be a high risk that may be a high adventure <laughs> thing for you right yeah. it may very well be mm-hmm. you know if that's the case man get off your ass and hit the dance floor for even just a few minutes right, right? And so it's all relative to the, to the individual but yeah. there's yeah there's just something about uh, overcoming some kind of physical challenge yeah. right mm-hmm. that gives you confidence physically in your body but and mentally too yeah that's why i always i always prefer watching the paralympics over the regular olympics i love the regular olympics like i love seeing people set records and times and things but to me the paralympics are are way more engaging Hmm. you know because of the fact that these people had physical have physical limitations whether they were born with them or whether it took place at some point in their life but they didn't just sit in the corner Mm-mm. Like yeah. they didn't feel sorry for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I, I assume they did at some point, but then they, they got they they got to the point where they said, "I'm better." Yeah. Like I'm I'm not going to let this define who I am. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember when Nova was a baby and she rolled over for the first time. Like she she looked up and was just like was smiling. <laughs> she was happy <laughs> about she's that. Not right? How old she was? She was little. Three, mm-hmm. two, three. I forget now. Yeah, she's yeah. Three months old or mm-hmm. whatever it was. Whenever you roll over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you could see it right there. I mean, she doesn't know anything. So, yeah, yeah. It's just and she's. And you just see this happiness in her face. Yeah. All right. Because she was able to overcome something, and she'd been trying to do it for however many months. Oh, you saw her struggle. Oh well, yeah. Well, you see the yeah. struggle, and right? Then, boom! She flips over. She's like, "Whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> That's <Right>? different. <laughs> exactly. Because she accomplished what she. I mean, she couldn't. She couldn't verbally tell you. No. She can't communicate that. Right. But she sees you and Laylee walking around, and she yeah. knows that's where I want to get to. I see these two people doing something, and I can't do it, so that's what I want to get to, right? Yeah. And so then she goes through the natural processes of getting to that point, you know, picking her head up first, rolling second, right? All yeah. those things. But, yeah, the efforts you see babies use just to roll, right? Yeah. And then when they accomplish it, yeah, the yeah, fact that they're just... technically a feat of strength right there. It, it is. Yeah. It's a massive feat of strength, mm-hmm. right? They have to work at it. I mean, it doesn't... It, the first time they go to try to roll, it just doesn't happen. Like, it takes probably, what, a good couple weeks for them to maybe, you know, to get to that point where they're like, Joom. oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, just, it goes quick all of a sudden. It goes quick. Yeah, it's interesting. Around the room, right? around. As a, parent, and, and, <laughs> as a parent, it goes by probably too quick. Yeah. Huh? Damn, how'd you get over there? <laughs> <laughs> Barrel roll, Dad. <laughs> yeah. But like that's that right there, what you just said, like the fact that she was just happy with that that thing. We miss that as adults. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like how often we don't yes. that, that yeah. often. Like we were talking about that when we went climbing a while ago. And it's just like it feels so exhilarating. It's so just so good to go, like, damn. I put in effort and I got yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. We miss that as adults because we just things are convenient, <laughs> right? We try to play things a little bit too safe, like to to be frank. So we become like, too fearful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, no I don't want to do that because because this might happen. Honestly, screw that. Like sometimes you got to be cool with 
the, the consequences. And oftentimes for a lot of things, consequences are relatively small. Mm -hmm. But we miss that like childlike enjoyment of like the little things. Yeah. I like, I love that shit. Like we go climbing, hit a climb. I'm like, yeah. What's the next one? Like yep. it, it feels good. Don't lose that element of yourself. That's big. Don't, don't lose huge. that element yes. of yourself. Because as soon as you do, you just become, you kind of, you kind of, you kind of losing yourself at that point. That's what I think gives life excitement. Yeah, I think that's when you you've already thrown the towel. Mm -hmm. You've already thrown in the towel when you get to that point where you're like, eh, I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to try anything different. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that's the one thing. It's like you said. For me, it's the same thing. When you accomplish it, you're like, yes, <laughs> it's that good. I mean, it's that visceral, just like yes, I did it right mm -hmm. because you appreciate you the effort that you put into that. The time that it took, and it may have been a long time, but you finally overcame it. You did it, right? Yeah. And so that, as kids, we did that all the time. But like you said, then we're told, act your age, be an adult, and be obviously in some parts of society, being an adult means sitting on your ass and doing nothing, mm -hmm. right? So it is what it is. But I think, yeah, like you said, when people ask, why do these people do these things on social media? Yes, some of it's probably monetary, right? Mm -hmm. You're, they're looking to make their mark. They're looking to be a brand or whatever, mm -hmm. right? And, and great, good for them. If that's what you're after and, and you're able to, to monetize that, that's your why. That was their why, right? But for some people, it's just they love to do that shit. Yeah. yeah. They don't give yeah. a shit about monetizing it. Mm -hmm. They don't give a shit about being famous. They just love doing it. Yes. You know, it's like when we, the first time we saw Juji Mufu, the split with the 225 overhead. <laughs> holy, holy, dude. Yeah. I mean, that shit went viral crazy, like super quickly, yeah. right? Now, granted, he's monetized it, right? He's done really well for himself. John's done a great job. But I think what I love about John is how much fun he has doing the stuff that he does. Yeah. You see the joy in his face. Mm -hmm. Like, he has fun. Yes. He's like one of the few people where you actually see raw, just raw ass enjoyment. Yeah. Doing something. Like other people are like, oh, okay, cool. But him, he's like, yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> juiced. he's juiced. juiced. And it's awesome to see that because this is, this is something you don't see often. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I love about him is the fact that you see that enjoyment when he does something. Mm -hmm. He just has fun with it. And it seems like he would do it regardless if there was a camera on him or not. Yeah. You know? Exactly. That's, yes. That's the thing, too. And it's, that's the authenticity, right? Yeah. That's, the, that's that uh, genuine sincerity that's there. Like, you see it. And it's like you said, if the cameras weren't there, he wouldn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. He'd still want to see, can we do this? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing I would want to challenge every trainer out there that does post stuff on social media is, would you do the same stuff you're doing in your training mm -hmm. if there was no social media and no camera? Ah, uh, that's actually point. a good question. Would you do it? If you say yes, then you probably need to change your training a little bit. Like if, I mean, I mean, if you say that you'd only do this for the camera, then you probably need to change your training. Yeah. Yeah. I think so, like, for us, when we do Sunday shenanigans, that started just because that was just fun shit to try to do. Yeah. yeah. And we just and you guys are just sharing it. Yeah. yeah. We just yeah. happen to have cameras rolling yeah. at the time that we're doing shit. Right. Yeah. But it was also, it's not just to post. It's, like, to also see how we do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, like, yeah, we post shit, and, and it's cool, but, like, it's, it's also cool to go, like, all right, like, remember when you did this this time? Like, all right, we did this that time. Let's do something different this time. Let's make yeah. it harder. Or let's change a variable without being seen. Are you happy doing stuff? So? 
Yeah. And honestly, for me, I'm happy doing everything I do. Yeah. I, I, I do it without recording shit because that doesn't matter. It, I'm doing it for me, not for everybody else. Well, I mean, we didn't start that till after the pandemic started, mm -hmm. but it was just a way of giving people some different ideas of things that they could do at their home. Mm hmm. You know, that you don't, you didn't need a gym for. But the fact that, yeah, we, we know that training, strength training is not typically fun. It's, it's looked upon as just this miserable, mm -hmm. just wretched shit that, you know, I have to do. But no, there's, there should be a lot of enjoyment and fun mm -hmm. in, in training itself. You know, it's stuff that you're, that you're not good at. Mm -hmm. You know, training should be taking those things that you're not good at and, and trying to make yourself better, but it shouldn't be mundane. It shouldn't be miserable. It shouldn't be like going to school. It should be like just, yeah, like, oh, I'm going to have fun. Yeah. It should be like an amusement park. Yeah. Like you just want to say, okay, what's possible? Mm -hmm. This thought popped into my head. I think we can try this and see if it works. There's only one way to try it. There's only one way to find out. Yeah. We got to try it. Mm -hmm. And so the results may be bad. The results may be good. It is what it is. But maybe we try to mitigate the risks as much as possible. Yeah. And you can always come back and try it again later. Right. If things don't go. Yeah. If, if it doesn't, doesn't work out, there's times where we tried shit and it's just like, it was good. Didn't work out maybe the way we wanted to, but we'll do something different. There's always something different to do or something to add in mm -hmm. in order to make it a little bit more exciting. Enjoy what you do. Like it's what you do you spend your time there you spend your time doing these particular things you really want to feel like you're wasting your time or you want to get the most out of it it's almost like when like, like the mentality is different from when we get an injury it's an inconvenience it's a learning experience mm -hmm. and it's but it's an inconvenience it's like shit it just threw me off track mm -hmm. but then when you're good then you go back to what you're doing but other a lot of people would just not never go back yeah yes they're like nope don't want to go through that again because mm. they don't view it as a learning experience and they don't view it as an inconvenience. Mm. They view it as a life-changing experience that they're going to be like, no, I don't ever want to experience that again. Yeah. yeah. And I don't want to get into that possibility of, instead of trying to see, okay, can you do it and eliminate that? So that I think that's, that's a different mindset. Mm. You know, and I also think being able to, to get over that mental hurdle of getting yeah. back to that activity, maybe you don't do it as, as hard as you did it before. Mm -hmm. But like getting yourself back into that environment is just a massive boost to, hey, okay, I can do this again. Okay, I trust that ankle. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, maybe I'm not going to put myself in that same position again or take as reckless of a fall, but I'll still go work around that. Yeah. Right. And maybe it's just because there's some freaking groundhog dug a hole in the field and you were running. You just didn't see it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That shit happens. It, it's just, it's life. Doesn't mean you don't, you know, if you're out playing soccer, you know, playing chase or soccer or something that happened, you don't just go, well, I'm done. You know, you, you rehab the injury. Hopefully it's nothing that altering, but you rehab the injury and then you take yourself back out on the pitch and you go, right? You don't let that little hold stop you from continuing to do what you do. Yeah. And build your confidence over time too. Injuries at the end of the day, drop your confidence in pretty much almost anything yes. you can do, right? Mm -hmm. So Very like every one of us has been injured here. Oh yeah. But what, so what, if you slowly work back into that thing or that activity and not just go full blast, cause there are people who do that, right? Who are just like, all right, cool. I'm back hundred percent. Let's go. Might not be the best thing to do, <laughs> but, <Probably not. laughs> but at the same time, 
the more you do it, the more confident you get. And so you're more, so now you're less likely to, to even potentially mess yourself up even more because you're just not confident doing that activity. Like when I heard myself deadlifting years ago, it was that same thing. It took me months to kind of come back into deadlifting. Mm -hmm. Like it took me like yeah. six months. Oh. And so I had sciatica. I didn't squat. I didn't deadlift. Even sitting down was this disturbingly painful Ooh. for a little while. And so for me to get back into doing what I did, and I, I think that when I came off that injury, I hit a PR, but it took me a long time to build that confidence. So as long as you're doing what you can and feeling safe with it, you won't think about the injury yeah. because now it's a thing of, okay, I know I got hurt doing this. I won't do this one specific thing. So now I can make adjustments to do all this other stuff that doesn't impact or limit what I can do. Yeah. Same. yeah, same thing for me when I, you know, came back into climbing after I hurt my ankle. Yeah. But when I hurt my ankle, I also fell into a hole. Yeah, you fell into a hole. Right. Like, so that was one of those things. I've fallen, right? I've taken that same fall a thousand times. But it this just one happened. time, yeah. there was a right. massive divot in the mat. And, you know, it was just, I was the unlucky person that day mm -hmm. that fell into that hole. Yeah. Right. Um, but obviously, you know, the, the getting over that to get back on the wall and, and start trusting everything, trusting that drop down, it, it took a while. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure. Right. You don't have to think about it anymore. Yeah. I mean, think about our our friend Steve, right? Mm -hmm. The bicep, right? From from a few years back. Yeah. And now he's going to have to come back from shoulder, shoulder issue, yeah. right? Now he's boxing again. I just talked to him. Oh, we'll uh, see. So, so he's, yeah, right. he's not climbing yet. Yeah. He's boxing again. Okay, well, that's a huge. Yeah. Wow, that's a huge box. Damn, that's so still, no no grappling and no climbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. but see now he got injured grappling, so now it's gonna be interesting to see how long does it take for him to get the confidence to go back into grappling. Yeah. Right, that's, and that's what he, he said too. Oh if yeah, you're listening, Steve. Sorry, man. <laughs> 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 no, it's confidential information. <laughs> but yeah, he said the same thing. It's gonna be more mental than physical. Yeah. And that's how it is for most people. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. You know, and, and some people like some people take the option of just shying away from it and not get back on the horse. Uh, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, for us, it's just, I think we try to give people that perspective of, hey, man, at least get back in the saddle again. Give it another go. Uh, that's what life's about, right? You know, it's like they say, you know, why do you fall down? Because you can see if you get back up, right? It's as simple as that. So, uh, but thank you for joining us on this episode. Till next episode, be good to each other. Listening to our podcast, be sure to hit that subscribe button and whatever platform you're on, either Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, please, if you could leave a review, we'd appreciate that. If you have any questions that we can answer for you, be sure to leave those in the comments also. If you're looking for more information on our education, our products, please go to www.stickmobility.com. And also hit that subscribe button to that YouTube channel. And don't forget our live Instagram classes three times a week. If you want to join in, grab your sticks and hit that 45 minute